The comments heard on The View from a Pew are those of Mac McCoy and are not necessarily the opinions of his guests, his producer Garth, any one particular denomination or religion, the church lady, Mr. Lemke, Pastor Craig, or anyone else of sound mind and body. Now here is today's The View from a Pew, heard all around the world on YouTube. Just search for The View from a Pew. Good morning, afternoon on your local radio station. I'm Mac McCoy with my sidekick, Theo, and this is The View from a Pew. And as we always give you once a week, we give you our program called The Roman Road. We are in week 61 of a Bible study in the book of Romans. And Theo, my partner on this, is an alumni of the Dallas Theological Seminary. And he knows his stuff. I'm I'm so impressed with him. And he 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 does all the writing on this program, all the producing, everything. And I get to ask him one thing. What's the big idea today, Theo? Okay, Mac. The big idea of the day for week sixty-one is according to Romans verse eight four, justified believers had their sins exchanged for Christ's perfect law-keeping and have the indwelling Spirit to help them walk in the Spirit. Let's pray and review. Thank you, Lord, that we can be together today to study the book of Romans. Considering where we are in Christ, may we understand that according to Romans verse 8, 4, Justified believers had their sins exchanged for Christ's perfect law-keeping and have the indwelling Spirit to help them walk in the Spirit. Thank you for the gospel, the good news. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He rose on the third day according to the Scriptures. In that process, he gave us the free gift of salvation through faith only. And now, may everything we say and do be honoring to you. In your name we pray. Amen. For the last several months, we have been looking at Romans 8, 1 through 2, and then last week, verse 3. This week, we move on to Romans 8, 4, which states, in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Mac, before we begin discussing this verse, I'd like to speak about the topic in a general way using common language. The first topic that this verse talks about is whether we individuals are going to heaven. The second topic that this verse talks about is what we individuals do from time we are convinced we are headed to heaven to the time that we die. The words that I will use about whether we go to heaven are justification, positional salvation, and saints. Some of the words I will use with regard to what we individuals do after we are sure we are going to heaven, are indwelling Holy Spirit and sanctification. In order to be right with God so as to go to heaven, 
one must keep all of God's rules perfectly, which we all know no one can do. Therefore, our loving, merciful, righteous God sent his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. That Son lived a perfect life, gave his life to pay the penalty and receive the wrath we deserved, and then through faith credited our account with his perfect rule-keeping. This gets the faithful into heaven most assuredly. Secondly, then, once you have your ticket to heaven, or as some people say, your fire insurance, how should we live? Simply, God's rules or law for this season in our lives is to love God and love others with agape love, unconditional love. Though difficult, due to the continuous influence of evil in our flesh, we have the strong probability of victory over and freedom from sin through the power of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Let's read our verse for today again, and for context, the verse right before it, Romans 8, 3, which says, For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. And then again, Romans 8, 4, in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So, here in verse 4, Paul is telling us why God, through Christ, condemned sin in the prior verse, Romans 8.3. He did it so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Us is obviously we saints, justified believers, the positionally saved, possessors of heaven tickets. Sin was condemned so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. This leads us to the question of what is the requirement of the law that might be fulfilled. There are differences of opinion as to Paul's intention with respect to the phrase, quote, the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. There are three major viewpoints here. Firstly, some think, like commentators Douglas Moo and John Calvin, that it only applies to making justification possible. Justification happens at a point in time, according to Romans chapter 16, and determines whether you are going to heaven. The idea is that only Christ could perfectly fulfill the requirement of the law thereby being qualified as a perfect or unblemished sacrifice capable of atoning for the past, present, and future sins of all humans. Then we humans, through faith, experience the sweet exchange 
of Christ taking on the punishment for our sins and imputing to us his righteousness, his perfect law-keeping. Thus, we are justified and, in effect, perfectly fulfilling the requirements of the law. This idea is also well expressed in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, where it states, He, God, made him, Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Sonic Light quotes a commentator who says, quote, Paul has chosen this exceptional wording, made sin in our behalf, in order to emphasize the sweet exchange, whereby sinners are given a righteous status before God through the righteous one who absorbed their sin and its judgment in himself. John MacArthur calls 2 Corinthians 5.21 about the sweet exchange, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, gospel verse in the whole Bible. Another way to describe the effect of this fulfilling of the requirement of the law deals with the positional salvation of the person. I often call this being in the room. Romans 5, 2 refers to it as standing in grace. This is being within the sphere of God's grace. In order to be right with God or reconciled to God, one must perfectly keep the law. And since no human can do this, Christ takes on our sins in the sweet exchange and imputes his perfect law-keeping to us through faith, thereby crediting the true Christian with righteousness and the perfect law-keeping of Christ. This leads to peace with God and a ticket to heaven. The second viewpoint held by others, such as commentators F.F. F. Bruce and the British preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones, insists that this language, quote, requirement of the law might be fulfilled by us, pertains only to the sanctification process, not justification. They say personal participation in law-keeping is in view here, rather than a vicarious, third-party, imputed perfect law-keeping. Bruce and others see the language of this verse as involving the personal performance of the law-keeper that the Spirit might enable. In part, it is because this verse refers to the walk rather than the positional status of the justified believer, the one walking according to the Spirit. They say that the word might makes fulfillment of the requirements of the law dependent on the Holy Spirit's purpose on a case-by-case -case basis. Therefore, God's commands must be satisfied by God's enablings. And we know that God does not, of course, empower or enable justified believers to keep the law perfectly during our sanctification process. So, 
The conditionality of the word might argues in favor of this language only applying to the sanctification process, not the justification process. The third viewpoint by others such as commentators Morris and Stott contend that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us applies to both justification and sanctification. So here we have highly respected Romans commentators taking different views of this phrase. The requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Paul, clearly, Paul was referring to the relationship between the justified believer and the law. All of Romans chapter 7 and the first four verses of chapter 8, including our verse today, address this relationship. Regardless of which position you support, the necessary takeaway from all of this is that law-keeping by itself can neither justify humans nor sanctify those who are already justified, those in Christ. All right, thank you, Theo. That is week 61. Well, next week, yeah, it'll be 62. It's the Roman Road with Theo and Mac here on The View from a Pew. We want to thank the good folks at DivineTruthChristian.com. They are our worldwide sponsor. You can go to that space online and order anything you want from a great Christian store. Divine Truth Christian Store, where you'll find more.